So this has been one of the more uh, intriguing and and uh, and talked about uh, situation or concept that's going on. Uh, I'm making it sound a lot worse than it is. So um, I can't even remember what meeting I was in, but I was at some meeting, and um, someone piped up and said, "You know, OSHA's coming to the firehouses," and I said, "Really?" And they said, yeah, they're, they're coming to the firehouses now and they're, they're looking at stuff. And I said, okay, now I should tell you that uh, I have been the lucky recipient of two complaints. And uh, as, as some of you know, and I lost a guy, I had a line of duty deaf. Uh, and at that time I was actually doing some safety teaching. And I actually forgot that it's a required notification that when you lose somebody, you have to call Con OSHA. Uh, I came into work the following Monday morning, asked the captain what was happening. He says, oh, not much. Deputy's in with the guy from Con OSHA. And I laughed. I thought it was a joke until I came around the corner and I met a very nice guy who had uh, John up to his elbows and files. And uh, yeah, we had we had a line of death. And so we did that. And then, and then subsequently over my career, I should also tell you that at least three times in three different for three different organizations, we called Con OSHA and requested a consult. Uh, and they sent down the folks and uh, they did a great job and it, it improved not only the not only the safety, but in one case, because we had some concerns about mold, it can it actually improved the quality of life. So uh, in all of that time. I got to meet this young inspector and, uh, and, uh, and we kind of rose through the ranks together. And so when everybody got all jazzed up about uh, Con OSHA coming to the firehouse, I thought it behooved us as a safety company to reach out to the head safety guy in the state and ask him to uh, do a couple, uh, make a couple of appearances for us. And, uh, and I'm really excited that we do have Ken Tucker from Con OSHA. Um, he is the guy uh, that is ultimately responsible for our safety. And, and, and part of that is in, enforcing the, the rules and regulations that uh, OSHA has put out there for firefighters. Many of the people on this online here have taught safety classes. And the, the one thing that I always say is that rules are written in blood. The reason we have rules about what we can and can't do is because a number of people, enough people to get other people's attention had injuries or deaths to the point where the government said, we, we got to look at this and there's something we got to be able to do. So in, in my experience, not only with Ken, but with the whole OSHA operation, because in our, in our business, we operate, we interact with federal OSHA. Um, we, we've never had a situation where a, a rule was a rule and we just need, maybe we didn't know about it or maybe we didn't understand it and we were able to call and, and get the answer. So I'm gonna introduce um, Ken. Um, Ken, how long, how long have you been there? <laughs> I, was, I was kind of calculating that when you were kind of starting to talk. I'm in my 36th year with, with uh, Kanosha. With Kanosha, and you started out as an inspector, right? I started out as a health compliance officer doing inspections uh, my first 18 years, about half of my career. And then up you went. Yeah. So um, one of the triggers that generated, and, and listen, I've been talking to Ken. Again, I called Ken right away because why not go right to the horse's mouth, right? Well, and, and, and we've had several conversations over the years, but over the last month or so, we've had several conversations. And, and what Ken let me know about was the uh, strategic plan um, obviously, we wouldn't know about it because we're not part of the organization. So I think the first thing, Ken, 
let's talk about the strategic plan, how we got where we are, and some of the things that is en encompasses us and you together. I'd be happy to do that. So let me kind of uh, go back just a little bit. Uh, there's two OSHAs in Connecticut, and, and Nick, you mentioned that we got the state uh, uh, labor department, Con OSHA, which is my office, and then you got the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, out of the 50 states, there are 28 Tulma territories, so 26, about half of them are what they call state plan states. And what that really means is the folks in the state do the enforcing, not the feds. So half the state just have strictly federal uh, inspectors inspecting them. And in those half the states, unless there's specific laws, there's no public sector protection. In the 28 states, there are uh, federal, uh, state OSHA that does private companies and uh, public sector, except for six of us in Connecticut's one of them, the very first state uh, in, in uh, the OSHA family to have a public sector only approved plan. So there's six of us, Connecticut's one of them, our jurisdiction is strictly public sector, state and town and municipal employees in the subdivisions. So pretty much all the fire departments that we're talking in, in, in this forum kind of fall into my jurisdiction. The feds would come in if you've got some work being done by a contractor, uh, say on your roof and the contractor's up to stuff, they may come and bother the contractor, but they're not gonna bother what you guys are doing. So that's kind of the difference in there. Um, well, I think there's one big difference <laughs> from my experience is if we violate an OSHA regulation, the fine is, well, maybe this big. And if you violate a federal OSHA regulation, the fine is this big. Fair, fair enough. Uh, uh, so, so a few years back, the feds went to uh, a, a new penalty system. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was based on cost of living or however they did it, but every year it seems to go up a serious violation when we all first started way back in the 70s, and I actually started in 86, but it was the same, was $1,000 maximum penalty for a serious violation. And in Connecticut, that became a statute because we have to adopt the laws similar to what the feds have. So we adopted that. Since then, in the last 10 years or so, a serious penalty for the federal system is up over, a uh, maximum penalty is up over 13,000. The average penalty, if you look at it, because that's the max, right? That could be the max of what it is. The average penalty in Kanosha is somewhere around $350 or $400, give or take, for a serious violation. The average uh, penalty for the uh, feds, somewhere around 4,500. So it is a big difference. And then when you look at failure to abate, the willful violations, it all goes up ex exponentially. So we've had this plan since the 70s. And when we became a uh, certified plan to the state and we made it a point, and I have since 2010, when I took over the office, I have, actually 2009, I guess, I have been a strong proponent of not changing the monetary penalties because we're dealing with municipal partners and, and what that, and state agencies. And what that really means is, it's your taxpayer dollars that are end up ultimately paying the fines. And, and then they go to the general fund. So it just gets cycled out, I don't get it. When it comes to the strategic plan, under the different programs that I run, under my public sector, I get about 2.1, 2.1 million dollars a year from FedOSHA. And through that, I, we have to match it with matching uh, money with the state money uh, to keep our program going. We promise FedOSHA that we will adopt programs equal to or more stringent than what they have. So pretty much all the laws as they promulgate them, we keep the same laws. We don't wanna change it, make it confusing. Uh, there's a couple instances, uh, one with record keeping and one with exposure limits. When they came out with a law uh, way back in, uh, I guess it was 1990 or thereabouts, we adopted it. And sometime after that, the feds got taken to court and they remanded that law. We didn't change it because we thought it was more stringent. So other than that, we have to have a program that's very similar. And with that, the feds require us to have a strategic plan. And every five years, we have to renew our strategic plan. And we have to have metrics of what are you doing in the plan? And our goal under the new plan that started October 1st is look at the highest hazardous uh, employees in state government and in municipal government and target them for inspections, but not to find violations. 
what our, met, uh, our metric is when we uh, do these inspections and when we're obviously increasing our activity in the fire service because of the high hazard that's out there is the number of people that we're removing from the hazard because that's a much better uh, measure for me than just how many citations have you done lately. You so, know, you're saying, so you're saying if uh, you, you came and uh, you saw, let's say uh, your inspector was going by a road crew, they didn't have signage, they didn't have vests, they didn't have hard hats, right? The, the mission is get those people covered and get the, the set the thing set up the way it's supposed to be rather than just hand them a fine. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, we, we get them set up, we get them covered as far as the inspection part of it, because we've got multiple high hazard entities that we're looking at uh, uh, for program visits. Uh, one of them obviously is the fire departments. That's why we're on this call today. Police departments are in there, public works, uh, parks and rec, some of those folks, refuse. Those are the high hazard if you look at the number of injuries and God forbid the number of deaths that you've had and you look at it and you track it over a long period of time. When my inspectors go out and we find a violation, we're obligated to issue a citation. And if it's a serious violation, we're obligated to issue a penalty with that. But the number of people that's exposed to that hazard, uh, it will depend on, uh, we'll make it what the, what the penalty is. For example, if you've only got two people exposed to a hazard, there's a factor of two that we use versus say 10 people. And the penalty obviously goes a little bit higher. There's a calculation that we have to use. But we're looking at the fire service because of the high hazardness and the risk that our fires, uh, folks in the fire service do every day was, was paid a volunteer. Uh, uh, for Quite frankly, you guys are too valuable to lose. We can't afford that. We know what we're dealing with down in New Haven. We're, we're in that middle of that investigation down there, but we can't afford to lose folks in a fire service or in our police departments. There's just not enough morale. And when you look at volunteers, you know, they're hard enough to get as it is to commit to that stuff after they go through a full working day. There's really got to be a passion and commitment. So fire service is an important part of what we do, but it's basically because of the types of hazards that's out there and the types of injuries and uh, stuff that we see along the way. That made them in a high hazard. So we started targeting fire departments as one of those entities. And I can tell you since October 1, we've done somewhere around 25 departments. Not full departments as far as if you pick a full page, let's say a Hartford. We went up and, and actually looked at Hartford and I think we picked five stations and did that. Um, there are other locations that we'll go into. And if it's a volunteer and they've got say uh, three stations in town, we may hit one of them. And then the next time we go into, we don't touch the fire service, we do police. Because we're trying to alternate so we're not just totally picking on the fire service. Uh, I've looked at the citations and penalties. They're pretty, pretty much consistent with what I would have expected out, out of the 25. Uh, interestingly enough, some of the things we're finding are things that are inside the firehouse itself. Not so much protocols. Uh, not so much what do you have for uh, accountability issues or what do you have for mandate to wear SCBA and some of that kind of stuff. Fire service is pretty good shape that way you know, uh, systemically. Uh, I think there's been a lot of work done over the years uh, to make that happen. So one of the, one of my favorites that got me at least three or four times is uh, having three feet in front of an electrical cabinet and having the tape on the, and not putting anything in the electrical room, which is where everybody knows that's where the vacuum cleaner and the signs go. Um, are you uh, able to share those, some of the highlights of those violations? Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to talk about a few of the, uh, you know, what, what we kind of say commonly found. I kind of tried yeah. to run, I, I had my computer guy kind of run me a top 10 or top 20 of the different types of violations that we found uh, in there. And uh, just so everybody's on the same page, subpart L under the OSHA standards, which is the fire brigade standard, is the Bible for, for the fire service. Here's a problem with that. That subpart L really came out of NFPA way back in 1970. It was updated once somewhere around 1980. We adopted it in 1980 and there hasn't been any changes since. Well, think of all the technology, all the cutting edge stuff uh, that's happened in the fire service since 1980. 
And yet we're still dealing with antiquated laws mm. because we are waiting for the feds to update it. Uh, we've had calls to, can you update 1500? Can, can you make that part of the Connecticut law? And there's give and take with all that type of stuff, no matter whether it's 1500 or other types of uh, NFPA standards. But the reality is we're trying to keep it consistent with what the feds have. And by doing that, it, it makes our job a lot easier than trying to have a uh, different aspect of we're looking at one thing and say the feds would be looking at something else if, if they're in, into a facility. So we haven't done anything new with the standards. They're, they're 1980 standards. Some of the other stuff that we look at, uh, other than the fire brigade stuff, is part of the physical structure. And we're finding things, you mentioned the electrical, probably the top couple in the electrical arena are extension cords. You know, what do you got your coffee pot plugged in? Is it plugged in directly to the outlet? Or you, you know, you run it through an extension cord or to a power strip. Uh, we see that everywhere, including the fire service. We find the circuit breaker panels, as you indicated, block. Storage is a premium area. And sure enough, where do you store stuff? Right in front of the electrical panel, which your fire marshal in every town would say, hey, you can't do that. We, we need to get to them if, if we come into your facility. You know, but yet we're finding that in the fire service. Uh, breakers, of course, uh, occasionally we find them, not often. But uh, if they're not marked, it's hard to determine what you've got where your breakers go. Uh, but if you've got a hole in, in your circuit breaker panel because you didn't put a blank in it, that's you know that's a little bit higher of a concern because that's uh, uh, you know obviously real exposure there that we have concerns about. Not going to so, work, right? Right. Right. So that's the electrical. Um, here's the crazy one for me. It drives me crazy. It drives my manager even crazier. John Rosen is my public sector manager, and we talk about this all the time. One of the top five violations that we find in fire service, fire extinguishers. No way. It's like, how does that happen in the fire service? So uh, either they're not being checked on a monthly basis or the, uh, even the annual tests are not being done. You know, most of the time when you got them, they're mounted where they're supposed to be. Though a, co a couple of inspections, we found them being used as doorstops instead, but they're not being checked and maintained uh, on a regular basis. If they're in, if they're in a firehouse, apparatus is a whole different ballgame. Right. You know, right, right. you know that those don't seem to be an issue, but but we're finding them. It's like what the heck? That's crazy. Um, has a communication with the chemicals used, particularly in your maintenance area, particularly in the you know those type of areas. Uh, there's usually a Hascom program. It's usually not updated. Sometimes we'll find that all the data sheets are there. You know, so we're finding that. Uh, an awful lot. We just did an inspection uh, in one of the municipalities that's got, it's a paid department, and uh, we had a problem with uh, uh, the vehicle lift not being uh, uh, maintained and inspected, and we also had problems with uh, if they got to pull engines and do something with a heavy lift where they've uh, used, uh, say, a, a hoist or something similar to that, there's certain requirements for that. Uh, so, so it's more of the mechanical stuff, mostly in your maintenance shops. Uh, bench grinders are probably the number one thing that we find in the facilities. Uh, tongue guards are not adjusted properly, not at all. Uh, the work rests are not adjusted properly, not at all. You know, so it, it, it's it's not the fire service structure itself that we're finding. You know, we look at training records, we look at SCBA usage, uh, accountability. What are we drilling on? Are we doing ladders? Are you testing your ladders? Are you testing your hoses? That stuff we're finding for the most part in pretty good shape. You know, I'm real pleased to see that. But it sounds like the industrial applications, which are not the primary function, but are supportive, you know, collateral functions are, are where the holes are. Yes, that, and, and, and that's correct. So with that, out of the... 24 or 25 inspections that we've done in the fire service, I want to say that we've got an average of four to six violations per. Uh, so when you average what they say, 350 to $400, uh, you know, times six, that's a $2,500 bill that, you know, most departments don't want to have to be paying us. Um, but that's out the door. That's after we've given discounts and tried to do all we can do. Uh, there's, there's, there's discounts that we uh, we look at uh, un, under our field operation manual for size, good faith, and history. 
So if the employers, a smaller employer, uh, we can give a size discount up to 100 employees or more. So a municipal like Hartford can't get it, but a smaller municipality, certainly maybe they get 10% or 20%, uh, 30% depends on the size. Uh, good faith is always there. I don't think I've ever not seen a good faith discount for fire departments. You know, we just don't have that problem, very cooperative and all that. And history we look at, is there a previous history in the last five years of OSHA citations? So let's, and let's, because it's a fairly new concept. Let's talk about ahead. that, because nothing pisses off federal OSHA more. And then I'm willing to bet it tickles you guys raw too. Nothing upsets the feds more than if they've come into an industry and said, you need a hearing, I'll pick on hearing protection. You need a hearing protection program. Yep, okay, we'll get that done. And then they come back either on a complaint or regular scheduled visit five years later, and they find out that there hasn't there that that they didn't do that. They that's one of their higher fines. They do not like that. And I know from experience that that your office is not real happy about that either, because normally in the the first time, again, there was you know some grace and given to that, okay, you're gonna get it done, and then right. Then they, they come back and it hasn't been done. That that's I mean, obviously you said you're going to do it, but well, there's two things that kind of go into it. Nick. One's called a repeated violation. Exactly. And we'll find that, but but sometimes what we'll find is we 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 say we did an inspection in station one, but we didn't bother two and three. And somewhere down the line, we get a complaint. And we go into two, and we find a similar violation that's pretty much the same thing. That's called a repeated violation because the employee knew about it, and it jacks the money up a little bit. Where we have a bigger issue is if you're the chief and you've been a chief, say, for 10 years. I go in and, and five or six years later, I come back in, you're still a chief, and we cited you and we find the same darn thing. That turns it into a willful violation because you knew about the violation. Right. You can't even, you know, if there's a new chief or new new people around, it's a little harder to, to substantiate that. Uh, we do very few willfuls or repeat violations. Most of our are serious or others are serious, and our others don't carry any penalties. So let me ask you, uh, hi. hi, Bill. Hi, Chief. Chief, did you have a question? Chief Ivers, did you have a question? Nope, nope, hit the wrong button. Okay, Billy, thank you. Things at once. That's all right, I, I know the feeling. So uh, Ken, before we, I wanna take a left-hand turn, but before we do that, were there any other uh, violations that were really common? Um, now they're just one of the mill. Um, I, I think you, you, you actually explained a little bit better than me. It's more your support stuff than it is your actually firefighting duties type thing. Um, but when we come in, you know, who the hell wants to deal with, you know, six or eight violations or 20 violations and all these penalties? You can beat us at our game. Hang on, I'm coming with that. Hold on. All right. Okay. Me, so, so, um, if, if we, if you want to uh, help out and do the right thing without having an inspection, you can contact the consultation folks. So is that where you're going? Exactly right. So uh, uh, under the strategic plan, you can almost guarantee that over a five year period, you're probably gonna get hit with us, right? If you don't wanna deal with that, call the office, ask for a consultation. You can go to our website, which is conosha.com and fill out a request for consultation. You know, you can call me, you can call the office, but we'll send a consultant now, free of charge, no citations or penalties and get you in shape. The only time a consultant has to step aside is if we're involved and we get a complaint on the same item, then a consultant's got to back off or if we have an accident or fatality. Right, so if we, because I've done this, I had Jeff help us out once yeah. I did once I did one at Paquonic, I did one at Gills Ferry, but the, and then the last one we had your industrial hygienist come out because we had a concern about mold, um, and she did a, a great job with all the meters and 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 doing all the testing and because it, that was kind of a special, that was kind of a special issue, um, but again the but let me give the other side of the caveat, is it's the same thing so you'll receive um, a series of citations or or, or 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 issues with 
a date saying, and then actually a lot of that's conversation. Hey, how long do you think you could, before you can get this fixed? I can get this fixed this afternoon. Right. Well, they'll, they'll still give you a week, but then they'll say, listen, a month, six months, night, whatever. Now, as, as long as when they come back after that, if you've had extenuating circumstances, you can ask for more time, but you can only do that so long. If they come back and you, again, you committed to make the, the fix, whatever it is, and it hasn't happened, well, then that's a different day. That's a different deal. Am I right in that? Correct. And, and you know, when we issue citations, we do require abatement and corrective action, and we look for documentation on that. So that's why we don't have the repeats of the Wolfles too much, because we looked at it and we seen the, the paperwork come in, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, and, and, and it says we have uh, put a bench grinder, we have a bench grinder, we threw it away, bought a new one, or we put a guard on it, and here's a picture of it. So we get that. Uh, under the consultation, we, we also work on abatement dates with that. You know, uh, the, the employer has to promise to fix a hazardous item if it's serious. If not, they're obligated to turn over the fence. I've been in the office 35 years. We, I mean, not over to the fence, to enforcement. Uh, in 35 years, we have never once in consultation turned a employer over to enforcement in the public sector. And that's because my consultant knows if he can't get abatement, the manager's gonna be calling. If the manager can't get abatement, I'm gonna call. I want corrective action. I wanna continue a partnership with that consultation that the employer asked about. And if we need to get more time, we'll work on the, on the length of time. But I'm not gonna turn anything over to my enforcement and come around and kick somebody when they first ask for help. Unless I have somebody that just absolutely refuses to fix it. I've never had that happen yet. And we've had times where we needed to invest some money. Um, and so we, you know, and, and and that was as a result of having the consultant come in. So it's like, we know this is expensive, but this is why, you know, we had the citation. However, <laughs> however, I would not uh, try and use uh, this that office to get you a fifth man or another shift or anything obviously of of that magnitude uh that that funding is and that's not really the that's not really what the office is all about i'll just say that for you i mean i i, I don't think no, that, engaged in that. that's true we, we, we've had complaints come out uh where a truck's rolling with three people because they just don't have enough people during the day and they've got to wait for that fourth person because they're two in and two out and they want us to cite it so they can justify another person uh, on that. We've had uh, stuff come in that's really not part of what we do, uh, radios and communication issues, and, and we're not able to do anything with that. So we're pretty clear with the employer of what we can do, what we can't do with the employees. You know, uh, uh, we want people to be protected, but we can only go so far. I've got to have a law on the books for me to be able to look at it. The other thing that... Um as opposed to NIOSH or, or, or some other folks is um, you enforce the, as you mentioned before, you enforce the law, the law from the Department of Labor, right? Correct. You don't, Correct. You, you don't use 1500, you don't use 1710, 1720. We do not. Because now if, if, the, if the state legislature said, like they do for the fire codes, this is what we're going to do with these modifications. That's a different day. That's, That's a correct. Different but right now, that they're not part of the law. Uh, we all know, and and I'm, I'm I always get myself in trouble with this. I'm willing to bet when NIOSH is done with the New Haven investigation, there's going to be three or four things that are on every one of their reports that'll probably be mentioned uh, to some degree. And I don't know that because I'm not involved, but I'm I'll go out on a limb. And this is Nick Delia talking, not Jalen. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say I think the two of these, two or three of these things are going to are going to be there. Uh, all right, tell us about Goshen. What's what's going on with 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 Goshen or the there's some a law or something coming up? There is. So uh, listen, just just in case you see my face moving around on my camera. Uh oh. So I can't let that happen. Um, back in 2007, the, uh, we did an inspection off of a YouTube video. Nick, can you hear me? Cause you look yeah. like you're frozen on my screen. Oh, well, you're, you're coming in and out, but we can still hear you. We can still hear you. I'm not sure if I lost connection or not. 
No, you might have if you're walking away from a Wi-Fi signal, you might be losing connection. I think you're back. Oh, there you go. You're back. So uh, somehow I must have lost connection here. Let me just get my charger here because I, I forced you in bad planning on my part. Yeah, if I knew where it was. <laughs> All right. So, so you brought up. A, let me babble for a couple of minutes while you're looking. So you brought yeah. up a very valid point. It doesn't take a nine one one of nine one. It doesn't take a phone call to your office to initiate some action. Anything's open game. Newspapers, YouTube, television reporting from uh, news stations. That's all. That's all open game. If you you see a violation, that, that, it, it, particularly though, uh, Nick, for the accidents. No, I, I'd be lying to say if we didn't see something. Um, saying a TV clip because uh, the TV cameras are there and. You got you got uh, some of the folks fighting a fire or something, and uh, they're venting a roof. They're venting a roof. Smoke's right going right through them, and then we got SCBAs on. Right. You know that's problematic to us sometimes. Uh, uh, we have to look at the circumstances and and all that type of thing. But that's that's one of the more common ones that, that we seem to get uh, on that. So so let me let me go back to Goshen if I can. Yes, please. Uh, two, two thousand seven is a YouTube video comes up that somehow we pick up. I don't know if it was sent to us. I think it was sent to us. And <clears throat> it was from Goshen Fire, Volunteer Fire Department. And we had some concerns. So we went up there, opened up an inspection. And it wasn't long where they weren't sure they wanted us to do anything. So they kind of refused entry, which is the official term that we use. Really? Never happened in my career. Never heard of it before. Uh, Fed OSHA will often have to go get warrants. In 35 years, we've never got a warrant, okay? We just don't have to. It's, it's just, uh, it's public sector. People are more cooperative in the public sector than a private company, you know? And so we go up there and we're having a problem. We went through three or four months of trying to talk to first selectmen, talk to the fire chief, talk to, you know, other people in the town, strong arm them, beg them, say, listen, you got to let us in. If not, we're going to have to get a warrant send a couple letters all of a sudden at the end of the day they wouldn't do it we decided to go get a warrant the judge would not let us get a warrant because the youtube video was four months old and or three months old whatever it was and basically the answer was there's no exposure now so that was problematic to us in that realm so once we couldn't get the warrant we're kind of locked out of that at the same time there was cadets that were involved in that. And you and I talked about cadets. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, there were cadets there and the wage and workplace standards folks went and issued orders for the cease and desist out of the state labor department. And they, they, I don't know how they did it. They issued a fine. That's what happened. So we had a problem. We didn't like the fact that we couldn't go in and the judge wouldn't uh, get us to uh, uh, allow us entry. And he told us we need to take it to court. And it went all the way to the state Supreme Court. And the state Supreme Court basically said that if you want to uh, change the law, then you know, get the law changed to include the coverage very specifically and make this problem go away. So for four or five different times since then, we've tried to, um, get a bill passed it, it, it's there's a bill going through the legislature right now uh, i call it the goshen uh, law it's an act concerning volunteer fire and ambulance companies and all it does is expands our coverage uh for public sector to very specifically include volunteer fire and ambulance companies under our coverage okay at this stage it has passed the labor committee it has passed the house uh, by a huge margin and it's at the Senate we're waiting for it to, for them to take it up to do the debate and hopefully pass it we have the governor's commitment that he will sign that when uh, if the bill passes so we've been we've been messing around with this quite frankly the event happened in 2007 I took home in 2009 and probably the first time I tried to get something passed through legislators was about 2012 and I've had three or four 
iterations of it. We've done some compromise language. The language in there now basically says uh, with volunteers only, so not paid, but if we fight a violation of serious, we have to issue a warning first. We can't issue a citation and penalty. Okay. If that, that was compromised language, I had to accept that if I wanted the coverage. I thought the coverage and this battle of not having to worry about, can I go in or not to protect our volunteer firefighters was much too important to me. I can give up a citation if that's what I've got to do. The, right. the, repeats, that we, the repeats that we talked about can be, can be penalized. Right. But, you know, so we'll see what that goes, but we're hoping this session, our legislative uh, liaison told me that if it doesn't go through the session, it's never going through. So we're optimistic, got our fingers crossed. And then, and it hasn't been a lot of fire stuff that's made it uh, through this legislation. We've had a couple of bills that have, have, have died. So you're, you're fortunate to have that. I think the important part that I know and I get is that you're looking out for those folks and that's why you're trying to make sure that they're getting whatever they need. Um, it, 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 it absolutely is not because I want to go out there doing inspection issue citations. I want to make sure that our firefighters, whether they're paid or whether they're volunteers, because they're all professionals in my book, that they don't get hurt, that they go and do whatever function they need to do, whether it's fighting a fire or do a, 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 a medical call or whatever it is, but go home the same way that they came into work at the end of the day. That's the goal. Now, the other thing is the consult, uh, the other question I think that comes up then is the same offer that you made for the career folks about the consultation, the town can, or the organization, because in our state, there's a lot of organizations that are not part of the town. They're standalone independent companies, right? And, um, and a, lot of, a lot of commissions that are not part of the town. The housing, right. authority, housing authorities, some of the pollution control uh, entities and some of that, they, they tax differently and all that type of stuff. But but all of those entities could come and say, listen, we just want you to come in on a consultation basis and take a look at us and see how we're doing. Absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you, though I have, we don't talk about it much with the folks in the office or even people I deal with. If we don't have, have specific coverage in Goshen and Goshen asked me to come up for a consultation, I would come up anyhow. Okay. It's a, it, protecting the employees are, or, or the volunteers are much more important to me than the, the citation part. Um, uh, am I am I probably not spending the feds money the right way? If I don't have jurisdiction because I can't get in because your Goshen is somebody that looks exactly like that because you're set up structurally like that, I probably shouldn't be offering consultation either. But I, I I'm not going to sleep too good at night if somebody gets hurt because I didn't offer consultation. Okay. What was the third? Was there a third issue you wanted to talk about? Uh, uh, just a little bit about the cadets and what we're starting. Oh to yes, work yes. Because this actually, I'm glad that Chief Ibris is on, and some of the other chiefs that are here because this is a, a this is a topic of conversation quite a bit. So, so uh, without going into a lot of detail, it it seems like the issue of junior firefighters or cadets or whatever you want to call them are in my office now. They used to fall under wage and workplace standards. Yeah. And somehow there was a ruling that, that I, don't, I don't know when it happened, but uh, the volunteers are not employees, therefore not, they're not covered under the hazardous duty for minors. And that was kind of the Bible for what the kids could do and what they couldn't do. So it got thrown on my shoulders. I've been dealing with uh, folks up in Simsbury uh, that want to put a cadet training program through the high school specifically. And with the goal somewhere down the line, when a kid graduates, they turn 18, they can become a volunteer firefighter because they got all the training that they need. So we're looking at that. Uh, we're agreeable to that. We think it's a great idea. Uh, we may expand the previous requirements a little bit to look at if we can use ladders in a different way. The, the old rule was anything over uh, six feet, right. six feet you, you couldn't do. Uh, but yet we know if they're going to become firefighters and respond to a scene, they're going to be using ladders that are a lot more than six feet. Uh, so uh, we're trying to look at that. We're trying to look at smoke, uh, particularly maybe theatrical smoke and, and, and control training. Uh, I want to look at ratio to instructors versus the kids that they've got just to make sure that we've got a clo close eye on that. But we're going to expand it. And I'm thinking that we're going to look at it through an approved 
training program in a high school or maybe at one of the fire schools, something where we can have a good handle on uh, what's being taught and who's keeping that in the kids. We've had two or three complaints uh, and issues that's come up in the last couple of years uh, where it's not that way. And we've had to go out and, and, and kind of strong arm the entity to make sure that these kids won't be exposed to the stuff that we we're very much concerned about. So now you've worked with the Connecticut Fire Academy in the introduction program, right? Yeah, we've, we've talked to Jeff a lot on this. Jeff's part of this uh, to some extent too. Uh, I don't know how much the academy itself is going to uh, get involved up at the fire school, but we're certainly looking at the regional schools. We've got a couple that have, have mentioned that they may be interested in this if we can kick this off with Simsbury and make this work. Um, I'm all for it. You know, I know in my town we're, we're uh, got some paid departments, but we've got some volunteers, you know, in the outskirts of the town, and they're always looking for volunteers. So, you know, if we can get these kids trained to a level and they're mature enough and they're ready to come in, you know, uh, maybe all I got to do is wait until they turn 18 and test to, you know, Jeff's group up at the fire school. You know, but if we can get them that close, then maybe, you know, we made a difference in, in, in the fire community and the volunteer service particularly. I got to tell you, some of the best firefighters I know, I, I saw them when they were 14, 15 years old, you know, helping out with, uh, you know, rolling the hose or whatever the skill set is. Right. And I know there is definite interest in the regionals to, you know, carry that on. Uh, I'm trying to remember. So they can wear an air pack but they couldn't wear an air pack in a toxic environment or something to that effect, right? Um, if I remember right, they couldn't even wear air packs. Oh, okay. They, they couldn't climb over ladders. They could be on a fire ground, but they get, they could only be support. They can't go inside the building. And that's still not anything that we're going to want to happen. Uh, we're strictly looking at the training, but, you know, I think if we can get the medicals done, the parents' permission and some of that, that if we can get them where we're not using real smoke but theatrical smoke and, and some of that, and listen, we all know uh, whether it's a cadet or whether it's, uh, you know, somebody in their 20s or older, we've had people that go through training and they collapse. Uh, you know, the, we can only do what we think we can do. And we want the medicals done to make sure that there's a doc involved that suggests we think this 16-year-old or 17-year-old uh, is capable of doing that. And, you know, if, if we can... And that's where the ratio comes in. If we can watch these guys, uh, I'd like to get them a little bit more prepared for you, for, for the volunteer uh, departments if we can. You know, Ken, Ken, Billy Ibers from uh, Yantic and Eastern Connecticut Fire School. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Billy. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, you know, I know you're working with the academy, but if you need the, any resources from the Eastern Connecticut Fire School, um, you know, we'll be your guinea pig. All right. I, I, I don't know if I've heard anything from Eastern Connecticut yet, Billy. Uh, it's just I want to talk these days with Simsbury. They had started at the beginning of the pandemic of doing just classroom only. And uh, the pandemic kind of shut it down. Uh, we're trying to get something done over the summer. I've got a meeting next week with them uh, to maybe get a curriculum in place so we can start looking at this. And depends on the age of the kids. You know, if they're freshmen versus a senior, it's going to be different type of exposure but if we can get this going for the uh fall semester then we're going to be ahead of the curve and, and shortly after that maybe you know get the fire schools involved I make and, I'll, this? and i'll take you up on that billy can thank I you i appreciate it i was gonna say uh ken it sounds like a, it sounds like a committee thing it sounds like a group of folks with diverse um exposure might be helpful and and again a lot of the the regionals are doing something to try to, you know, as we talk about, listen, if we don't get these guys and girls before cars and football, <laughs> you know, or-, or, or I, I, Listen, I, I understand. I, that That's kind of part of my thinking. You know, they get too far gone. It's going to be hard to get them as the fire service, you know, or you're going to get somebody that says, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. And they're trying to do that and, and work and maybe they're working, but, you know, Let's face it, those people that get into the school, uh, they're, they're lasting longer in the fire, you know, in, in the volunteer service uh, with the more training they got uh, and the more ability to feel like they're 
ready to go as a firefighter. You know, none of us want the folks that are, you know, ambulance chasers and, you know, want want to see a, you know, a fire for the sake of seeing a fire. You know, those those are the tough ones. But I don't think we'll see that if we see an organized class where these kids are making the commitment week after week to go through the training that 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 needs to be done. You know, because this is lifelong training, even if once you become a firefighter. Which it's is not true. going to change. So if we can get that mentality going through high school or uh, through a cadet program at one of the regional fire schools, I think it's a winner. Well, can you, uh, do you have Billy's information or? I, we... I know how to get a hold of Billy. Okay. I live in Dollar so Yannick's not too far from my home. <laughs> Good. Because I think, I, I think uh, uh, a Bill would be a tremendous, and I, th- I think there's several people on the line here, but I think Bill would be a tremendous asset for you you know, looking at it from the regional approach. Uh, because again, one of the one of the questions we get all the time is how can we, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? How far can we go? What yeah. can we, you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll set up a ladder, but we, we have to put a stripe on the ladder and you can't go over the city, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, understood. And, and, and understand because Simsbury kind of hit me first with it. I'm trying to work with them because they, they've got kind of a curriculum in place and sure. I've, I've looked at some of it. Uh, but I think it's going to transition pretty quick and pretty easily to that. And Jeff Morissette and I have had conversations about this, and he is more than willing uh, to facilitate some of that to get the fire schools involved. And and whether it's going to be, you know, uh, a Billy in Eastern Connecticut or someone else, you know, in one of the other schools, you know, I, I, I think probably we'll probably do that more by committee than not and refine the program even better. Absolutely. I think it can only get better. Um, in our exposure, Ken, see the whole eastern third of the state. That's our target area. Yeah, the, the, the eastern part, Billy, is uh, that's Willimantic, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, it, it, if you you know look to the right. Yep. You got all three. One of the unique things about, and I shouldn't be just advertising too much for Willimantic or to the eastern Connecticut fire school, is um, regional food, is that it does it has it takes has a huge catchment area. Um, and they and with the new school, they're they're rocking. They they truly are. They're having a hell of a spring meeting to subpart L's for the live fire training. Uh, it's been a hell of a spring out there, and they're doing a great job. Truly doing a great job. And yeah. I'm not just saying that because I work there. <laughs> no, I know. Listen, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great partnership. I think it'll work. Uh, I got to tell you, I, it's not without trepidation because, oh, yeah. I, I, because I'm putting I'm putting a risk out there. Uh, and putting somebody's kid in potential harm's way a little bit sooner than we normally would allow. So I think, uh, right, so instead of the, I mean, I'm not involved at all, but instead of the one to four, maybe it's one to two, one instructor to two kids. So they get a hand on each one or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've got some, some strong ideas on that. Uh, I'm going to be looking for, uh, for from folks in this audience and stuff to help me out with that. Uh, uh, and get their thoughts and ideas. That's the stuff you guys do every day. I don't, you know, today I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm in a public works garage, you know, uh, I, I'm all over the place and I got my guys in all the place, but you guys do fire all the time. That's your life. That's your passion. Matter of fact, why don't we, uh, Ken, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, give out your email. Is that okay? Absolutely. So it's it's uh, well, why don't you give it out so make yeah. sure I don't screw it up. <laughs> let, let me let, uh, so I so I mentioned the website. It's uh, www.kanosha.com. That's the easiest way. There's three or four different ways to get to us, but that's the easiest way. Um, it's Kenneth K E N N E T H dot Tucker at ct.gov. And my phone number is 860-263-6929. That is my work phone number, 860-884-6006 is my cell phone. Just understand that that's my personal cell phone. So I just gave you out my personal cell phone. It tells you the level of commitment that I have with the fire service and how I want to work with you guys in the worst way. Uh, If I don't answer it, if you call, because I get so many robocalls as you guys do, I'll probably wait for the message and then call back unless I recognize something. Every once in a while, I'll pick it up and I get a hit. Most of the time, I got somebody trying to get my uh, car reinsured again. <laughs> it's your service, dude. It's your services up. 
Was there, was there any hot topics, other hot topics, Ken, you were interested in? No, that's, I think that's pretty much it for my part. Yeah. All right, so what I'd like to do, I see uh, several names I recognize here. Um, if anyone has any questions, here's the man. Um, he, he's more than willing to, to address the question if he can. Um, uh, so let's open the, let's open it up and see if anyone else or if Billy has any more questions or anyone else has a question. Anyone at all? Hey, Nick, maybe a comment. This is Jeff Morissette. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, good evening. Uh, hi, Ken. Uh, hi, I did want to just mention or clarify the original minor guidelines that were established was a formal committee uh, of the Connecticut fire chiefs. And, uh, you know, I know a representative from Simsbury, Kevin Kowalski was on that original committee with a number of long-standing fire chiefs so that's where those original guidelines came from for the miners in the fire service uh so uh that's what's looking at being expanded upon yeah yeah and, and, and there, there was that big that whole committee that was way back jeff in uh was that 06 i have no idea <laughs> yeah it, it, it was somewhere down commissioner mayfield i know uh, that was done, but it was done through the Wage and Workplace Standards uh, Division, and, and and there were not only us, and I think Jeff, your your shop was was involved, but I think there were uh, at least five or six other uh, folks involved in the fire service, uh, including Kevin, right? Correct. Yes. Um, thank you so much, Jeff, and 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 I want to thank two people that are on tonight for helping us out every month. Um, and that's Jeff Morissette and the and the listserv folks and uh, Anthony, also known as Tony Manfredi, who's the uh, the voice, uh, the electronic voice of the New London County Fire Chiefs. Um, and his in his realm of contacts, I wanna thank those two guys. Uh, Ken, uh, Tony did ask if we could put, um, your information uh in the into the chat so i've got your email could you give me your work number again all right the work number is 860 yep 263 yep 6929 yep and the cell phone is 860 hang on, hang on. 860 yep. yep 6006 and I'm impressed that a, a, a department head would do that. So I truly appreciate you doing that. Well, well you know, I, did, I, did, I didn't do it till the pandemic. And once this pandemic started happening, uh, I can't tell you how many different calls I, I had from a myriad of different folks, some in the medical field, uh, some trying to come up with policy decisions. Uh, there was just a ton of stuff. And it's like, you know what? It's a cell phone. If I don't want to answer it, I don't have to. Right. You know? So I, I, I just, I can't be bothered worrying about that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Chief Man Freddie, it sounds like I'm coming to see you guys, what, next week, is it, Nick? I'm not sure. At, 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 uh, didn't we set something up for next week? Who, me for, or Tony? No, for the Fire Chiefs Association. Oh, yeah. So uh, thank you for reminding that. So Wednesday night, uh, Ken will be making an appearance at the New London County Fire Chiefs June meeting which is being held at JLN Associates, 7 Ver, uh, uh, Vista Drive in the old line. Um, so uh, he will be there that night again live to answer questions, um, which might generate a few because you have some members there that are uh, pretty impassioned about this issue. Um, so yeah, that's uh, next Wednesday night. Yep, absolutely. Um, anyone else have any comments or questions? before we start closing things up. This is a little short for us. Uh, we're going just about an hour, but that's okay too. Any other questions? Hi, this is Crap and Collier from Yannick. Uh, I was looking to see if there's any updated resources, checklists, that kind of thing. Um, instead of having to try to go through each of the OSHA standards by themselves, uh, more of like a, uh, an overarching simplistic checklist or something, resources. Ken, do you still have? Because uh, I have a copy of it. Do you still have your handouts? The two, the two pager there, the back, yeah, yeah, button, yeah. Button back. That's yeah, got yeah. all the tra training requirements, the different standards that apply to the fire service. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I think that's I, I thought that was on the website. Uh uh last I checked, I thought it was, Nick. So what we're gonna do is we will scan. We we can check the obviously check the Con OSHA website. But Jamie, if you make a note to remind you when I get back, um, we'll take and um, scan that and we'll put that on the JLN website because we use that quite a bit um, as we're doing training and, and whatnot like that. Okay. And Chris, if you have a problem getting it, you can contact me or, or Dick. Is that that training list that came out from the Department of Labor probably about six, seven years ago? Uh, probably about that. Yeah, we update it periodically, but we've had this, you know, with changes going on probably 20 years or no more. Uh, yeah, I think the last one I had was uh, last updated, I think, 2014. So if there's an updated one, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll take I, a look have, and say, I don't have an updated one, Ken. I think I'm talking about the same document he is. All right, I'll take a look. Uh, uh, 2014 to now, uh, has times changed a little bit, but not significantly. Right, uh, yeah. Most of the OSHA standards are pretty much the same. Uh, certainly, Subpart L, uh, you know, fire brigade stuff has not changed at all. Yeah. So uh, it, it's contemporary. Uh, maybe... Maybe the respirator standard. Maybe there's a change since then. I'll look. I'll right, look. But I'll, I'll make sure you have. I'll, I'll make sure you have the most up to date, Nick. All right. You and, email it to me. We'll paste it out on. Uh, we'll paste it out on the. Uh, on the website. Jeff. Will do. I saw Jeff Beeman. Do you want to do? Should we put that out on the list, sir? Uh, yes, we can do that. It's on the Fire Academy's website as well. I think if you just go to the search function on our website, uh, it should take you to it. I believe we have the most updated one. I typically check uh, annually or semi-annually with, uh, with Ken or somebody at Kanosha just to make sure. Uh, but like he said, there hasn't been a lot of substantive changes in probably the 25 years or so it's been on there. I think the, the biggest thing is the global harmonization and trying to get everybody up to speed on the SDSs as opposed to the MSDSs and, and, and then a couple other things, uh, as you mentioned before. Yeah, but I'll make I'll make sure it's it's contemporary and, and up to date. Uh, if it's not, I'll make sure that it gets done in the next couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, I'll probably try to figure a way where we can anything new I can put in red or something like that, so everybody can see the changes that we made. Excellent. That, that, that may help the folks also. Excellent. Very very good. Any other questions or comments? Just to thank you, Nick and uh, Ken, for all you do. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks. This has actually been a trip. Uh, for I think everybody knows, but we actually started doing this in March last year, and we were doing weekly training, um, covering, and we actually rotated every third week was hazmat because nobody gets their hazmat hours in. Um, and then after, uh, I think it was August or September, we said, you know what, and, and our and our activities were really kicking up. That's sort of one a month. And we've actually, I think we've had some good series. Um, and I thought this was important. Uh, listen, we're a safety company. And, and I've been a safety weenie for too long, but we're a safety company. Uh, that's what we do. That's bread and butter. Whether it's the stuff we're doing, private industry, the, the, the safety uh, surveys we do for uh, fire departments and the, and the you know, studies we do, or the fact that we tested a million freaking feet of hose last year, uh, not to mention all the ladders and all the pumps and all the aerials, um, we're a safety company. So when, when this first cleared up, um, you know, we talked about it and we said, let's see what happens. Uh, we know that Billy's got some good stuff going on at the Eastern Connecticut Fire School. He's got some classes going on, I think, uh, I think down Fairfield or one of those down there. I think they have some stuff going on. Uh, Litchfield, I think it's Litchfield is actually running uh, OSHA 10 classes. Uh, we think that's, uh, that's exciting. We offer an OSHA 10 class that's specific to the fire and emergency services. It covers everything you need to know so you can get your OSHA 10 card for general industry, but it focuses on uh, you know, the fire and stuff. We just think this is critically important and, and having, not just because Ken's here, but having worked with uh, Ken for 30 years on, on this specific issue of inspections, whether it's on a complaint, whether it's because of the line of duty death, or just because we 
really didn't know what to do. We had a, a foam, um, uh, not a foam. We had a, a mold problem that was really wreaking havoc uh, uh, morale-wise and creating a lot of, uh, excuse the pun, dust up. And so we called the people that take care of that, that, that know what the rules are and how to measure. And they brought in the technology and, and it didn't cost us a dime, not a, not a red cent. Even it, it, what it cost us was some elbow grease because we had some things we needed to move, including we had to play with our grinder, including we had to put stripes down in our uh, in our alarm room, in our alarm closet, because that is where the vacuum lived. Um, but those, again, are all uh, ancillary stuff. We were very, very fortunate. They went through our training stuff. We were right there. Um, you know, and, and we had invested in some hearing protection and did some stuff in the past. So it, it's been a, a, a good working relationship. Hey, Nick, uh, one other quick thing. You mentioned uh, the consultation thing. If, if, if we get somebody that comes in and says, I want you to do a wall-to-wall -wall consultation at my station, we're not going to come in on a program visit for over a year. We'll guarantee uh, no uh, enforcement activity unless it's a complaint or an accident, uh, but no program, no plan, no strategic plan stuff for a full year if uh, if we get in there and, and you guys use our consultant. Right, because again, usually all you gotta do is fix it once. You know, it, and, and then it's, and then it usually, it, and then it's just maintenance. You just maintain it. I'm sorry about the fire extinguishers because when we, we do them all at the same time, we used to do, the same kid would come over, we had, he'd bring the spares and he would do the engines and the house, houses and the engines and the uh, all the apparatus all at the same time um you know and, and take care of that so um anyone else last call last call all right well listen thank you all for uh for uh coming tonight uh one of the cool things one of the cool things is with this zoom stuff is i can be eight i can be six and a half hours away uh down at emmitsburg maryland and be with you like we're in the next room. And so I wanna thank Jamie for helping us get this all set up. And um, uh, obviously, uh, Ken, thank you so much for coming. This is a good warm up for Wednesday night. <laughs> hey, listen, it's a pleasure for me to be with you guys. And, you know, uh, went, went out to do, we're not out to, to kind of hit you over the head with, with citations and panels. We wanna help you out. We wanna keep you guys safe. Outstanding. If no one else has uh, anything else, oh, oh yeah. So um, what we need you to do is just in the, in the bottom there, in that chat room box where I put uh, Ken's information, just send us your name and send us your email. Um, if you have, so we need to know you're here. All right. Uh, and then Jamie will, will turn around a certificate and we'll get you to, uh, a certificate back on uh, critical conversations with the department uh, for the Department of Labor Con OSHA strategic plan. Is that my John or another John? I'm not sure who that is. All right, I thought it was my boss. I guess not. All right, everybody. Uh, huh? Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Ken from New Jersey. Thank you. There you go. And let's not forget again, furthest traveled. <laughs> it's like a parade. Furthest traveled is Brian Giesing in Florida. That doesn't, doesn't miss too many of these. All right, very good. So again, remember, please put your name in your email so we can get you, there he is. So we can get you a, uh, get a certificate. Uh, I do not know yet what we're gonna do next month. Um, as soon as I do, we will get that out. If you have a request or a suggestion Put that in the put that into the uh or send it to me uh Andalia at jlnllc.com and say hey what about this topic or what about that topic um we've got a lot of stuff going on um i'm i'm, I'm really excited to uh to uh, i should do the shameless plug so um we are in the process of getting ready to build a second host testing wagon um, because the first one is already booked for a, a great amount of time. We've had it, we can still do other more hose testing, but we're actually building another rig. 
for that. Um, and uh, it, it, we're just we're just traveling around and doing stuff. Uh, I'm still, uh, oh, we do have a need. So we're we're starting to get asked for some pretty high tech rescue stuff. Some pretty high tech um, confined space stuff. Right now we have a, a team out at a dam where they're working uh, and it's a hundred foot differential between the top and the bottom, kind of an interesting rescue uh, uh, challenge. So we have a, a crew out there, but we are getting asked for more and more high tech stuff. So if you are a rescue guy, um, if, you, if you've been to the Academy's uh, rescue programs and you're interested, uh, please drop me a line or go on the website. Um, if you're interested in, then uh, you may be interested in just being an attendant um, or, or something like that, please uh, do that. We're primarily, we're, we have made it through uh, a lot of the industrial stuff we've been doing for the last two months. We're, uh, we're, we've come through that with flying colors. We're very excited about that. Testament to the employees that really stepped up and, and did, some, did some serious time and, and work very hard. So we're very proud of them. Um, but we do have, again, uh, we have, and you don't, we do have people from New York City. We do have people from Hartford TAC One. We have people from New Haven. We have people from Bridgeport. You don't have to be in one of those big operations. If you're interested and you've got the classes, you're still gonna have to go through our classes to make sure we everybody knows how to use our stuff because uh, that's part of the rules. Um, but again, uh, if you're interested, uh, let us know. All right. Other than that, thank you all very, very much for coming tonight. Uh, Ken, I'll see you Wednesday. David, I'll see you Wednesday. Tony, I'll see you Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Have a Thanks, great day. Thanks, all. Bye-bye. Right.